When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What are you doing right now? Perhaps you're in the supermarket. Maybe you're on a run or on the commute. But wherever you are in the world, and whatever you're doing, right now you're also listening to my voice. This is the power of podcasts. The ability to communicate with your audience in an intimate and intentional way through audio. I'm B. Duncan, Senior Partnerships Producer at Intelligence Squared. We've been a world-leading forum for talks, debates and events for over two decades. And we also use our cutting-edge curation, creativity and editorial expertise to elevate your brand to new audiences with podcasting. Intrigued? To find out what we can do for your organisation, book into a free consultation with me today. Find out more by going to www.intelligencesquared.com forward slash partnerships. Thank you for downloading this Intelligence Squared podcast. For more information on our debates, talks and discussions, visit intelligencesquared.com and sign up to the newsletter. Thank you and welcome uh, to our speakers. We've got a fantastic panel here today and I'm really looking forward to the debate and I hope that you are as well. Um, just one little thing, I'd be very grateful if you would put your phone, take off, turn off the ringers on your telephones, please, if you haven't already thought of that. And if anybody here wants to tweet, which we would love you to do, obviously, if you have Singtel, um, it's hashtag IQ2Asia. So we're all here to debate a motion about art schools. The motion is, art schools are bad at making good artists. Uh, you've all voted, I think, on the way in. Um, you voted either for or against, or you decided you were undecided. You said you were undecided. Um, those uh, votes, the, the numbers of votes will be counted up and we'll announce, and then you will re-vote at the end. On your seats, you're going, you will find a voting bulletin like this. After the speeches, we're going to be asking you to vote again. The way to vote is to tear your bulletin in half and put either for or against in the boxes as they come round. If you remain undecided, don't tear it in, in half. Just put the whole, um, the whole bulletin in the um, box, please. Right, so I'm going to now present our speakers. As I say, we're super happy to have such a fantastic panel. I'm going to start on my right-hand side with Himan Chong, who I'm sure many of you know here. He's an artist, he's a curator, he's a writer. So his MA was at the Royal College of Art in London <clears throat> in communication, art, and design. <clears throat> Currently, he's leading moderations in brackets, uh, which is, he's leading um, Hong Kong's, it's a spring workshop which is being carried out in collaboration with the Wit de Wit Institute in the Netherlands. 
Um, he's also currently participating in the uh, Asia-Pacific uh, Triennale in Brisbane, Australia. Uh, he represented Singapore in the 2003 Venice Biennale, and between 2003 and today he has participated in many, many other art um, Biennales, Triennales, um, for example, in New York, in Spain, in, in Busan. So, uh, welcome, Hinan. Uh, next to my right, we have um, <clears throat> Graham Steele. He's the director of White Cube Asia, based in Hong Kong, so he hasn't has come that far for us. Um, he's uh, represented, he represents the artists, well, he works with the artists who are represented by White Cube. Um, his BA comes from Georgetown University, and then he did his MA in London at the University College London. Um, he started his career in client development at Sotheby's, um, and his focus then was already Asia and Middle Eastern markets. And um, he is also fluent in Italian and French. So welcome, Graham. Always useful when ordering dinner. <laughs> but you can give the talk in English, please, okay. if you don't mind. <laughs> So immediately on my left, we have Michael Craig Martin, who is a renowned um, contemporary um, conceptual artist. His studies were in fine art at Yale University School of Art. Um, his um, CV is full of museums that, or rather, museums are full of his works of art, shall we say. <laughs> um, I'll just name a few. The Kunsthaus Bergens in Austria, the Centre Pompidou in Paris, MoMA in New York, Hanover Kunstverein, the Institut Valencia in Spain, um, and the National Art Centre in Tokyo, so, um, uh, and many other places. He's far too modest to have given me everywhere. Um, currently participating in the Guangzhou Triennale in China. Um, he's been an artist trustee of Tate in London. Uh, he was elected a Royal Academician at the Royal Academy in London in 2006. He's taught at Goldsmiths and is Emeritus Professor also at Goldsmith, and he also has the CVE. So um, uh, we're very happy that he's come. And last but not least, as they say, we have on my far left, Blake, Blake Grobnik, who was the leading art critic for the Washington Post from 2001 to 2011. Um, he then moved to write about art and design uh, for Newsweek and for the Daily Beast. Uh, his doctorate comes from Oxford, uh, where his dissertation was on Renaissance realism and uh, philosophy of representation. Um, his interest is also in neuroaesthetics and also in the intersection of art and science, and he's promised that he will give his talk in English, not Latin. <laughs> so, uh, I would like now to uh, pass each, over to each person. We're going to start with Heman. Each person has 10 minutes to defend their point of view. Um, uh, and after nine minutes, I will ring once, and after 10 minutes, I will ring twice, and then you really have to, have to stop. I'm, I'm ruthless. Um, so, Heman. Shall I do it there? Or? Please, if you... Unless you want to stay there. No, no, no. Let's be formal, shall yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. I think it would be nice to clap our panel. I'm just going to read off my iPad and check Facebook status at the same time. Um, hi, everyone, and thank you for having me here today. 
I'm sure everyone is exhausted after looking at so much art, so I'm going to keep this relatively short and painless. So if you think about it hard enough, there's something really fundamental to the notion of artistic practice, which is that there is nothing fundamental about it. It, it makes the concept and uh, method of teaching something non-fundamental very interesting, and one that involves a lot of risk. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So much of it depends on the relationship between the teacher and the student. So much openness is, is necessary. Being an artist is more or less about developing a sort of rigorous uh, internal logic that can be used as a lens to see the world and interpret it in some form or another. Encounters between this personal, sometimes esoteric world with other worlds can produce new perspectives into how an image, object, or, or situation can be read. And I think this is personally where I locate um, where art happens, that the world around us is not only prescribed by others, but it is hinged on how the world is perceived that produces meaning for both the artist and the world. Perception is everything. Well, you know, it would have been relatively easy to unpack the many problems that are about art education and education in general. I'm not really here to convince you that art schools are bad at what they do. The art school is not a thing in itself, and there is no not one existing um, art school model. I guess what I'm trying to say today is that we can't afford to think about art education as something that lies only within the institution of an art school. And that is something that I would like us today to start acknowledging in a more active manner. That three years is okay for having a kind of like contemporary art for dummies kind of level of things. But I think let's not kid ourselves to say that we'll be seeing a lot of uh, a sort of constant stream of geniuses popping up every year. Um, it doesn't do any good for the art student to be convinced that the final degree show needs to function as a kind of ultimate resolution to what they have been working on for the past three years. I think the trauma of having to graduate... Okay, sorry. Sorry. To graduate, uh, I think the trauma of having to graduate is very intense and offers, often pushes artists to resolve their work in a sort of simplistic and reduced form. Um, I know what I'm proposing is a hard sell today. After all, I, you know, life forms itself as, around a certain sense of linearity and that we all want to discover our own beginnings and in the end to have closure. Plus, you know, art schools are so expensive today. Um, and, you know, the, the student wants to graduate and have some kind of visible return for their money, like a certificate or something, you know. Um, a lot of this anxiety into how art schools are run um, today are, is, is really due to the huge cuts that art schools are, being, um, are, are taking from either state or private sources and increasingly to the rapid commercialization of art education itself. And I don't think a lot of art schools today are going to change their PR machine anytime soon, where we cannot expect that in the prospectus of any art school that they would say at the, you know, at the point of graduation that students will be told that they might not be artists yet. Or worse, just imagine saying the truth like a slogan that says, join us, we only offer you pain and poverty for the next 10,000 years. I mean... In this situation, I'm just wondering what our alternatives are. How can we produce this necessary time for the artist to be given a chance to develop into something great? 
Without getting too philosophical here, what I want to propose today is that we all collectively come together to think about producing time for the artists. I think, first of all, we all have to encourage um, artists to form small informal groups, which function as a place for many things, to share knowledge, share skills, and to perform you know, pretty brutal criticism on each other's work. These groups can offer an immediate bridge from being in art school um, to the outside world and making the sort of the trauma of graduating seem less important, hence less anxiety about resolving their work quickly. Personally, I've benefited a lot from these groups where there's often a sort of intergenerational conversation going on about how we do things and why we do things. It's a bit like going to you know, an AA meeting where you, know, you go like, hi, I'm him and I have a problem. And um, it's true that in a way we have a problem today. We are surrounded by a lot of art that's just not very well thought through because you know, there's just no time. I've also observed from my own experience that such groups work extremely well if uh, the individuals within it, the artists, really focus on talking to one another about their work and not spend time um, trying to build exhibitions or to collaborate on making work. Um, it's really about sort of investing time in listening to one another and to hear each other out and when necessary to say that a certain idea for a work is just pure bullshit, you know. I think in the last couple of years, a lot of artists have formed such groups and, um, and also these groups have started to resemble almost like informal schools and how these schools have later turned on to be, you know, pretty much like institutional art projects. In relation to this, the other thing that I believe very strongly is in is the presence of small, independent, non-profit spaces. These are the spaces which are often willing to engage intensely with artists in producing more, um, both discourse and art. I would just really hate to imagine like Hong Kong without Parasite Art Space, New York without art in general, London without Gasworks, Beijing without Arrow Factory, and Singapore without a substation. A lot of these non-profit spaces are often set up with, um, to work with artists on producing their first exhibition, their first artist book, and um, their first you know, sort of um, long-term project that happens over time. And often these are the same spaces that offer residency programs for artists, equipping them with a limited amount of time, space, and resources to produce. Unfortunately, they often run with great financial difficulty, we, and we need, I think what we need to do also is to start thinking about investing money in these non-profits simply because they're such necessary agencies for artistic development and engagement. Um, person, personally, from what I've seen is that I think the art patients, for example, in a space like Hong Kong are doing really well in sort of helping out with these spaces. And I think it's, you know, the psychology is really such that um, they can essentially see that over time it's... Um, you know, it's something they also want for themselves, which is, you know, at the end of the day, um, good art. And, you know, in closing, I just want to leave you with this, that, um, that the purpose of education is to teach someone to be able to educate him or herself over the entire course of their lives. And such a great part of that process involves each of us teaching someone else something. Finally, we have to be convinced not only, that not only artists need to continuously learn beyond the art school, but also for curators 
and non-profit spaces to work with artists and for patrons and collectors to learn to invest in buying some time for the artists. Thank you very much for your time. So now, against the motion, we have Michael Craig Martin. Um, I haven't participated in a debate like this since I was in high school, and, which was in uh, about 1956. So uh, you may find I may, I'm, feel like I'm going to be a bit rusty, so you'll have to forgive me. Um, I also realized when I heard uh, Heman speak that um, 10 minutes may be longer than I had anticipated. Uh, I, I want to say something about my own experience of art schools, and I am very lucky because my, experience, my personal experience was very positive. I went to Yale as a, an undergraduate and then as a graduate student, and I have to say I had a most wonderful time there, and I felt that my education was absolutely excellent. And um, I think I feel like it changed my idea about art. I, and it also changed my idea about myself. And uh, maybe not every artist could, would be able to say this, but I am very conscious of the fact that my work today depends very directly on what I learned there all those years ago. Uh, among my fellow students were Richard Serra, Chuck Close, and Bryce Martin. Ava Hess and Robert Mangold had left the previous year. And then years later in London, uh, I had been teaching in several art schools, and then I ended up in Goldsmiths, which at the time was considered a completely nutty place to go because it was a kind of dump on the outskirts of London. Nobody paid any attention to it. And because nobody paid any attention, we were able to do anything we wanted. And nobody was looking because nobody cared, and you couldn't drag somebody to New Cross to come and see the students' work. <laughs> Because I'd had such a positive experience myself, I wanted my own students to have the same kind of experience. Amongst my students were Julian Opie, Damien Hurst, Gary Hume, Sarah Lucas, Fiona Ray, Liam Gillick. I don't think of any of them were, that any of them were greatly disappointed in their art school, and I feel confident in saying <coughs> that they're all good artists. Um, in trying to reply to the subject of this debate, I think in general, our art schools are extremely good. In fact, perhaps too good these days. I mean, if anything could be criticized, it's that the general level of art that I see everywhere in the world is, is astonishingly high. Uh, it, it's, um, uh, I'm not often astounded by genius, but then one can't be expected to be astounded by genius too often. Uh, but the general level seems to me to be quite amazingly high. Um, art schools usually teach skills. They teach you know, paint, uh, drawing and photography, screen printing, all those kind of things. They also teach people about color and space and composition. And they teach theory and history, philosophy, cultural and social considerations. But none of those things are art, and not all of them put together are art. Art is the thing that the art students do individually themselves. 
And uh, in doing that, you can't really teach that. All the all the teacher that an art school can do is provide people who are uh, sympathetic guiders, people guiding people because they are more experienced uh, through what it is of trying to find themselves, trying to find what it is that um, that they should be doing. Uh, it's really through art manifests itself in an art school through this independent work. And if I'm trying to evaluate an art school, and I have to say some <coughs> art schools are much better than others, some are perfectly dreadful, but uh, some are very, some are wonderful. But it's, you can nearly always find it in the quality of the way in which the student work is treated. Of course, it isn't even necessary, let alone essential, to go to an art school at all. Um, unlike going to a law school or a, or a medical school, when you get your degree at the end, it's frankly neither here nor there because nobody's ever going to ask you about it. And they might say, where did you go to art school? But they're not going to ask you about the degree, and the degree will, unless you're trying to get a job teaching or doing a job which has got nothing, which is in a way is marginal to art. Um, but you don't become a doctor or a lawyer. You don't, you're not, you don't get a license to practice you could practice right now. You know, all here, everybody here could do it without ever, anybody. All you have to do is start making art, and you can be an artist too. Um, I would like to argue that uh, one is far more likely to be able to become a good artist by going to art school than by not going, and that is true even if you go to a bad art school. People may arrive at art school innocent, but they don't arrive empty. They arrive already with prejudices, certain kind of limitations and prejudices. If you can criticize many art schools, it's because they do tend to exchange one set of prejudices for another. But then part of being an artist is trying to find your way through that mass of opinions and values and ideas and possibilities. And frankly, if you can't do that in the protected environment of an art school, you're going to have a lot of trouble when you get out. I know that some students feel they have to struggle against the values and methods imposed on them by the school. This may be distressing, but it does not outweigh the benefits of having gone. After all, for an artist, no experience is without potential use. This is such a wonderful thing for artists. Every stupid job you have, everything you do in the summer, everything, all, you, the, 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 all the, your weird interests, everything, your traveling, your friendships, everything is potentially useful to you. Art schools are also a great reality check for people who see themselves as creative. You may have been able... <laughs> you may have been the, the, the only person in your family who could draw or you may have been the only one in your school who was good at you know, doing paintings. Uh, or you might have been the wackiest person in your group and everybody said you must be an artist. And then you go to art school and the first thing you discover the first week is that the place is full of people more talented than you are, who are wackier than you are, and that you better come down to earth and start to take a more realistic look at yourself and what your own potential is. Art schools obviously broaden immensely what one thinks that art could be and what forms it could take, and there are possibilities you've never even thought of which an art school suddenly presents you with the possibility of doing. One of the most important other things that an art school can do 
it's very, very, can never be overestimated, is put one in contact with like-minded peers, with people of your, uh, very much of your own generation for most students, people who, are, who are, suddenly you're in a world of people who share your interests. And probably before you got there, you were the only person, one, of one or two people in your group who had this interest, and suddenly you're surrounded by people. This is an unbelievable luxury, and I can tell any students who are here they will never have this luxury again. Uh, you know, when I was boasting about having gone to Yale, you might have noticed that I didn't mention any of the teachers. <laughs> I only mentioned my fellow students. Um, I think every generation reinvents art to reflect its values and interests and beliefs. And to spend one's formative years with like-minded peers is invaluable. Uh, particularly because, this, as I said, this is something, this, is, this kind of being able to come together is a very difficult thing to achieve later on. Um, also, with art school's emphasis on creativity, individual initiative, self-motivation, self-discipline, lateral thinking, skepticism about received wisdom, adaptability, practical skills, contemporary awareness. Art school is the ideal education for anybody, no matter what they're going to do in life. And many of the students who go to art school end up doing different things, but none of them have wasted their time by going to art school. In fact, they're probably better prepared than anybody else to go into a difficult and changing world. Finally, I'd like to say that I think that it is art schools, not museums, galleries, or collectors, that constitute the foundation of a culturally vibrant society. When I arrived in Britain in the mid-60s, there were seven major art schools in London. In Paris, there was one. Look at what's happened between the two countries in the last 50 years culturally. I'm happy to say that I have heard that there are three art schools in Singapore. Congratulations. Art schools constitute the grassroots of the art world. Cultural depth cannot be formed from the top down, only from the bottom up. Guggenheims do not create art, nor do they create culture. Institutions and governments cannot hope to create a culture by only focusing on the top. Art schools form the base of the pyramid and the stronger the base, the higher the top can go. Art schools are good at making good artists. And that, as they say in the movies, I rest my case. Now, Graham, for the motion. Thank you. Um, hello, my name is Graham Steele, and I'm a director at White Cube. I'm um, on the numbers side of the game, so this is going to be a slightly different approach. I do, however, believe that at the heart of this debate um, is an inherent problem which I came across early in my academic career, and that's basically what does success mean? And I think that at the end of the day, this debate hinges on the concept and definition of the word good. 
for an art dealer to support the premise that art schools are bad at making good artists is something that may come as a surprise to people as every single or almost every single one of our the artists in our stable attended art school in some form, and emphasis again on the almost. I'll get to that later. However, what I'd like to look at today specifically is the infrastructure of arts education and the manner in which the reality um, of the corresponding landscape of the art world, not the real world, mind you, I don't care about that, but the landscape of the art world is fundamentally incompatible. A good artist. We all know what the work of a bad artist looks like. We all have artists whose work we dislike. Historically, I think Bouguereau's um, trees look like broccoli. But um, regardless of whatever name you come up with, they're international names, they're local names, but they're recognized. They're successful enough to at least be discussed. They've made it in some real way. Whether you like or hate the work of Damien Hirst, Zhang Fanzhi, Jacob Kasse, Ai Chu Christine, um, they've made it. Someone somewhere thinks they're good, and they've made their living to various degrees off of their art. Done. Definition. I would like to argue that, therefore, to be a good artist is, on some very basic, simple way is to, to make art that sustains your basic needs. Shelter, food, we can throw in emotional and spiritual needs, but that's another whole conversation as well. So essentially what we're saying is that what good means is in, terms of in terms of some universal signifier of talent is aside, but it, essentially it's, some, it's an artist that is, is working, a professional are kind of people that go to art school. Now, with that in mind, I want to get to the heart of what I find to be the problem with arts, edu arts education and the problem with the idea of making a good artist. The system of education is, like all educational systems, structured to make as many proficient, technically trained individuals, in this case artists and art historians, as possible whilst maintaining the overall structure of the university or school at hand. The art school is a business and fundamentally not able to focus on the kind of rarity that the industry of the art world selects to elevate to success on various levels from feeding oneself to the superstars that we all like to talk about. So let's look at the business of the art school, if it is a business. Yale University, and I did that before I knew that Michael Craig Martin went there. Um, <laughs> sorry, Michael, you, you come up multiple times. Anyway, um, Yale University's Master of Fine Arts costs 35,000 US dollars a year, which is not including the living cost, that aforementioned food and shelter bit, and let's face it, New Haven gets cold, in addition to the material costs of actually making your work, which of course varies. Central St. Martin's, that one was chosen for Michael, um, costs vary depending on your nationality. So EU students pay around 5,000 um, pounds, and non-EU citizens pay around 15,000 pounds, again, minus that whole staying alive in London bit. Yale has a minimum of two years residency. Central St. Martin's essentially the same. When I did my own master's in the UK, the course numbers had been increased for my specific course from 15 to 25 that year. The number of international students who had been admitted, so that 10, eight were international. And this was simply, of course, based on the fact that we paid 10,000 pounds more for the privilege. Of those 25, only seven that I know of are still working in any arts-related field, and we were one of the most successful graduating classes in a long time. So my own fall from grace to becoming a dealer notwithstanding. This is butts in seats kind of business. Now, bringing ourselves back to this $35,000, which is a lot of money for an artist 
or for anyone in America where that median household income is $40,000. Um, I'd like to see what I'd like to argue that the art school is not like any other degree program, which my fellow um, speakers have, have brought up, especially at the master's levels. We're not expecting to have a debate anytime soon that business schools are bad at making good bankers, um, because for the most part, there are more jobs in banking. God help us. Um, as well as there's a more fluid infrastructure within the financial world to absorb those MBA students that come out in waves from the organizations from which they get their degrees, which of course depends in, on, on the economy. But it's essentially, regardless, there's a much larger infrastructure. There's no junior training program for media artists recently coming out of Yale. Um, you know, instead, there's massive competition for internships at museums, galleries, even in other artist studios. The vast, vast majority of these are completely unpaid. Food, shelter, no money. So what is being sold? I'm a salesman. What, what is being sold for $35,000 a year? Well, look, let's look at the number of courses you can take. Using a more local example, China's Academy, uh, Central Academy of Fine Arts has around 5,000 BA art students a year. In 167, this took a long time scrolling down on the internet, 167 categories ranging from the regular painting and sculpture to information media and research on theory and cultural management. I, I really want to get a degree in that. One can study and get degrees in all of those 667 subjects. Now, I'm not in any way, I am, I am belittling, anyway, I'm not in any way belittling those artists and students who are working diligently with other artists, with their teachers to improve and, and hone the artistic practices and dialogues that they're initiating. I'm simply pointing out the massive number of students within a system of education, a monetized paying group of individuals who attend courses in order to become, in theory, good professional artists. Now, so what exactly do they teach and what is learned? You know, courses vary, teachers vary, students vary, and, and, and that's, I think, very important to focus on. I'm not particularly concerned with the curriculum because I'm also a firm believer in the concept that education is what you bring to it as much as what it gives to you. Instead, what I'm trying to understand and what I'm trying to get us all to think about is why the reality of the industry is not more understood my industry, the art world. 25 years ago, or when Michael was going to school with these amazing artists, you know, one's parents would warn their children that earning a living as an artist is extremely difficult and success is rare. And now you have the examples of Damien Hirst and Jeff Koons making more money than the head of J.P. Morgan, and they're more famous than a movie star. How, that, that still doesn't reconcile the amount of jobs, the amount of success, this sense of professionalism. So let's look at that massive success. Let's look at the superstardom, the thing that all the artists, in theory, on one way or other, on a commercial side or on a critical side, are striving for. Jeff was originally a stockbroker. Damien was taught, of course, by my distinguished fellow speaker. But Damien's recognition of the complete lack of opportunities, I mean, Michael said himself, no one was coming to see the artist's work, led him to curate his own groundbreaking exhibition. It was the hunger for that that drove Damien, not the art school. Sorry. Um, <laughs> having recently had dinner with Bharti Kerr and Subodh Gupta, they said, you know, Bharti is from England, Subodh's from India, and they said that they became artists long before they went to art school. Talk to any artist. Bharti said that it was, their, it was a beloved teacher in grade school that encouraged her, and she just basically went to art school because everyone else did it. It's what one does. You want to be an artist? You go to art school because it, it's a way to talk about art for three years. But again, there's a huge amount of notable exceptions. So from outsider artists, Jean-Michel 
Michel Basquiat, Mark Quinn, we on both sides can just name a million different names. But what I'm really getting at is that success can be told in a million different ways. There's a million great narratives as to where the artists come from. But what they all share is the work itself, their personality, their hunger, their drive to make what they're making understood, timing and luck, also very important. Now, Innate universal talent is not something I'm talking about because at this point it's just boring. It's beside the point. So going back again, I don't really mean to stand here and just attack institutions, which I do see as serving a vital function in the art world, and they undoubtedly play an incredibly central role in the shaping of an artist, in the developing of an artist, but not the making of it. I just can't accept that the art school makes an artist good. Now, as flawed as this system is, trying to teach an artist how to make money and get noticed by galleries and curators by selling themselves into a branded product is incredibly frightening. Oh, you know him. Yeah, no, he's that guy who makes the gorilla sculptures out of live cats and tuna fish and then sets them on fire. Yeah, he's doing a bag for Louis Vuitton. You know him. It's, it's that kind of thing that just drives me insane. And it's happening more and more. You know, Sotheby's Institute is not the only place that's selling short courses or master's degrees focusing on cracking into the art business or how to manage the careers of artists or teaching artists how to make themselves stand out in a world where Kim Kardashian is designing t-shirts. I mean, fucking hell. Look, my arguments are not making me happy. This doesn't make me happy, nor do I wish to condemn the system. But I simply want to understand a reality that art schools are victims of the same pitfalls as every kind of education on a mass scale falls into. How do we nurture and find the talent that sustains our economy of culture? What is fundamentally different here is not the term... Um, equaling good professionals in this sense, but what's really conspicuously and fascinating absence, absent from the, from the title of this debate is that we're using the word good, great, or important is nowhere to be found. So art, what happened to the one? <laughs> I get two more minutes, okay. Art, art, serves a different, <laughs> art serves a different, and, and to my mind, fundamentally human purpose, which at some point has to be severed from the discussion of our day-to-day lives. And let me be explicit here, we're talking about an economic structure in our daily lives. Art schools may not be good at making artists good, but, and with what they are doing In the admission departments, there seems to be a lack of perspective. There's no profound cultural paradigm shift which allows for ever more artists to sustain themselves and sustain their practices um, that would would account for the the number of art students that are now being pumped into the world, despite the amount of money in the art world. On the contrary, economic stimulation for cultural institutions are being lessened dramatically, an imbalance which should be seen as very worrying in the long term for the generations in school today. Think France, as you said. To focus, the focus, okay, give me two seconds, lady. The focus, the, the focus that this creates is on selling work, on making artists who can make a brand and sell it, not to make either a profound statement about their world, generation, person, or experience, or simply an object of value. We are getting what we're paying for. What, what good does it talk, what good does it do to talk about good artists, professionally proficient artists being pumped out of art schools if their work doesn't mean anything? What is the point of having lines drawn between high art and the rest of cultural production? <laughs> I have one sentence. Come on. What, what no, go- no, no, no one sentence. So, I will grant you one sentence. Fantastic. My final sentence. What is the point of having lines drawn between high art and the rest of cultural production when the only substantive difference is the price tag? I want good art, not, I want great art, not good art. Thank you.
Georgina, I insist on one extra sentence yes. added to my time, please. <laughs> Against the motion, Blake Gopnik. Hello, I'm coming up last here, and it makes me nervous because um, Graham and Heeman did such a great job um, arguing their points. Unfortunately, they were arguing points that had nothing to do with today's debate. If they'd been at other debates, they'd be doing an excellent job. Graham, if we were having a debate on whether art schools are good at feeding artists, you would have absolutely won. And Heeman, if we were having a debate on whether art schools are good at making great artists, you would have absolutely won. But of course, that's not the topic today. The question is, are art schools bad at making good artists. And I have 10 insurmountable proofs, reasons why, in fact, you have to vote for me but I'm, for my position. But I'm going to start with the 11th one, which is that my wife teaches in an art school. And uh, I can't afford a divorce right now. And our, my, our sofa's not comfortable at all. So if nothing else, Georgina, am I allowed to call in the sympathy vote? I think I am. So I'm going to start with that. And then I have 10 reasons, which I will count down for why in fact, it's clear that art schools are good at making good artists. Ten, Jean-Honoré Fragonard. Nine, J.M.W. Turner. Eight, Edouard Manet. Seven, Pablo Picasso. Six, Casimir Belevich. Five, Marcel Duchamp. Four, Jackson Pollock. Three, Andy Warhol. Two, Jeff Koons. One, Damien Hirst. And also, of course, as an extra, let's call it 1A, Michael um, Craig Martin. <laughs> These are... These are all artists who I think we can say are probably good. I think that's safe to say, and all of them went to art schools. Now, of course, any decent statistician would say that correlation isn't causation. But I think in this case, with the hundreds of other examples that I could bring to bear, there seems to be some kind of link, maybe, between going to art school and being a half-decent artist. Um, now, I, do, I am pleased, in fact, that our topic is phrased as it is, because I think that the goodness of artists matters, in fact, as much as the genius of artists. And it's the goodness of these artists, of these genius artists, that is what art schools can produce. Despite what my colleague Graham said a few minutes ago, genius, in fact, is all very well and good, but it's always built on a foundation of goodness. In fact, I'd argue that, there, that genius doesn't mean anything unless we have a concept of goodness that, in a sense, genius can surpass, that genius can add to. And that's what art schools can do. Um, a genius poet, let's choose one at random, W.H. Auden, Wordsworth, etc., has to learn uh, English grammar, among other things, before, of course, they can say brilliant things in verse. There's always some foundation that genius, in fact, is built on, and that foundation is goodness, and that's what art schools can do a particularly good job, or guaranteed um, at doing a good job of. And by that, I don't mean traditional skills. I have no interest in whether an art school can teach someone to draw accurately, to, uh, to pour... Um, uh, iron, etc. What I'm talking about is learning the basic language of art. And that's what I think art schools have to do. That's where people go to find out how to be artists, in a sense. And we do it pretty efficiently in this culture. Because art is, I think, a deeply artificial system, like a language, like a code. There's no way to be born with knowledge of any given culture's art. It's something that you learn. It's something that has to be transmitted to you. And there has to be a mechanism for transmitting that language, just as there has to be a mechanism for transmitting English to English speakers, etc. And that mechanism is, of course, immersion. And that's what art schools do. Art schools immerse their students in the, the language of art. And that's what they do incredibly well. And that's what, in fact, allows the students who come out to speak artish, 
right? I don't think Grandmom's Dalton figurines, if that's all you've got, is going to do the trick. If you've only been exposed to Grandmom's Dalton figurines, there's a good chance you won't, in fact, speak the language of, um, con- of contemporary art, of, of art in our culture. Um, if nothing else, and, and um, Michael touched on this, it may be that art schools can't produce genius, but they can and do el- eliminate the monstrously bad. And that leaves the good, and I think that's awfully important. Um, my wife tells me stories about you know, the students who come in on their first days. And if we imagine that art, artists stayed at that level, their first year level, that they continued to paint pictures of unicorns that they came in with, that their spirograph abstraction was all that they ever learned to make, that their ballpoint pen doodles continued for the rest of their lives, we've been, we'd be in a, in a, in a parlous state. Um, and art schools provide this background of goodness against which, in fact, I think goodness shines. Without goodness, genius wouldn't mean anything, as I said. Um, we can use, since I've been introduced to someone interested in the, in the crossover between science and art, I can get all sciency on you. We can talk about art, art schools producing the normal science against which, um, through which paradigm shifts happen. In order to have Marcel Duchamp, you have to have a sense of normal art going on that can then uh, be radically transformed. Without, good, without normal art, you can't have radical transformation. It doesn't mean anything. What would it mean for a genius to make a sudden advance unless there's something against which they're advancing, against, uh, unless there's something that they're moving forward from, obviously. But more importantly, and this, preparing for this debate actually got me thinking about something I hadn't thought about really thoroughly before, because I believe in genius, and I love genius. But it suddenly came to me that we don't just need, need genius. We pretend we do. People like me, annoying art critics like me, actually act as though what matters is greatness in art. And I tear apart all sorts of mediocre, good enough artists in my writing. And I shouldn't be doing that because, in fact, what we need is art. What we need is to be immersed in a world of art. And definitionally, most of that's going to be good enough, not genius. But I think that we don't want to close down every show that doesn't have a future Picasso in it. I don't think we want to close down every show because it doesn't have a Marcel Duchamp in it. In fact, we need a culture of art. We need a visual culture, and a visual culture is going to be full of all sorts of stuff, not all of which is excellent, but all of which hopefully will be enriching, will uh, fill in the corners, the small corners of contemporary art practice, will we'll ex- we'll express what contemporary art is um, beyond simply what a few great geniuses do. And we all want to be surrounded by art experiences. In order to do that, we need to be surrounded by artists making good enough art, it seems to me. And that's just fine. The ideas of the geniuses, in fact, it seems to me, become part of our larger artistic culture by way of the good enough. In fact, we learn about Marcel Duchamp on a kind of everyday basis because of all the little baby Duchampians running around us. Um, I'm actually a Canadian, um, which completely vitiates poor Graham's arguments about the cost of art school, because of course in Canada you're lucky to spend $5,000 going to art school, so that whole set of issues is entirely relevant both to this debate, as I've said, but also in fact the entire situation in Canada, which has produced in fact a couple of good artists I can think of. Jeff Wall's not the worst artist in the world. Um, and what happened in Canada, interestingly, is that um, a place called the Nova Scotia College of Art and Design, that some of you may have heard of, um, some of you may have even 
have been there at one point or another, introduced the entire Canadian art scene to what conceptual art was. It's not that every artist who graduated from the Nova Scotia College of Art and Design was a great genius. In fact, that list is surprisingly short for such a famous art school, but it made all of Canada, through this good enough conceptualism, literate in the world of serious contemporary conceptual art. And that's something art schools can do for an entire country, and that's really important. Um, now, of course, great artists, although I can, can accept Michael from not the great artist list, but from what I'm about to say, they always deny learning in school. I can't tell you how many artists, because I go around interviewing artists a fair amount, start out by telling me what school they went to and said, of course, I learned nothing there whatsoever. It was a total waste of time. Um, and they may be right, in a sense, because they didn't, in fact, learn what makes them important at art school. They didn't learn their greatness at art school. Because that, I'll admit, can't be taught. If we were having, if we were having a debate about whether art schools can make great artists, then, um, which of course is not what we're doing, um, then I'd have to agree that we couldn't necessarily do that. Because the whole point of genius is that it surprises us. If, in fact, um, you could teach genius, then all the teachers in art schools would be busy being geniuses and wouldn't go around teaching, teaching art. Um, but it's important to point out that the 90%, we pay attention to the 10% of what any given artist does that is what marks them as geniuses, marks them as great artists. But in fact, there's 90% of what they're doing that is just good enough art. Picasso is working in an idiom of portraiture. Picasso is working in an idiom of still life. That's stuff that he learned in, I've got nine minutes left, apparently. Is that right? No. no. You've, um, you've got I've, an extra minute. I've got an extra, <laughs> I only need an extra sentence, I think, to, to dispose of my opponents. Um, <laughs> What geniuses learned in art school, among other things, is what not to make. That's what's important. What geniuses learned in art school is all the stuff they could react against. And it's the force of the reaction that's aided by the good enough art in school. Where else would geniuses learn what they don't want to make if they didn't go to art school? William Blake, for instance, wouldn't be William Blake without his frantic resistance to the teachings of Joshua Reynolds. And if you want proof that art school can do wonderful things, read what William Blake said about his teacher, Joshua Reynolds, at the Royal Academy, how much he hated absolutely everything that Joshua Reynolds, the great teacher, taught. I would argue that, in fact, we couldn't have the greatness of William Blake unless the mediocrity of Joshua Reynolds was taught to him in art school. And on that, I'll leave it. Beautiful timing. Uh, you did, he didn't even need the extra minute that I was prepared to give. Now, before we go on to the Q&A time, I'd like to give you the result of the vote as you came in. So in the entry vote, for the motion, 37%. Against the motion, 38%. And don't know, 25%. So a quarter of you out there didn't know when you came in. I hope by the time you come to vote at the end, you will have been persuaded one way or the other. Right, I'm now going to open up to questions. Um, please, will you wait for the mic? We've got five or six microphones here. Would you please identify yourself? And would you please ask questions, precise, if they're addressed to somebody or if it's to the panel, that's fine, but if it's addressed to a specific person, would you please say so? Um, and please, this is a forum for questions, not speeches. Thank you. Uh, so we'll take the questions three by three. Just put your hand up and wait for the mic to come to you. 
I have, if there are none there, I have, there's one there. Are there other questions? There's one there and one there. Right, so can we start with this one here, please? Sure, my question is addressed to the panel. Oh. Uh, Sorry, okay, no, that's fine. Sorry, my name is Alex Turnbull. I guess the, the two merits of art schools described are basically, you know, the, the knowledge base that one gets there, the actual teaching. And my question about that is, you know, do art schools have a monopoly on that anymore in the age of sort of Coursera, media being widely available and so forth? <laughs> this, the second thing that was identified is essentially, I guess, what an economist would call network externalities, whereby you put a bunch of people very passionate about art together. Um, you know, there's benefits of those people, you know, talking about art for three years, as you said. And is that really something which art schools still have a monopoly on? Okay, thank you. Uh, second question was just in front of you. No, I can't hear you. Can you hear now? Yes. Yes, I hear now. Uh, pretty similar to that. I suppose uh, so. societal change, um, technology, social media, bringing the opportunity, so much of what you've talked about of people coming together and exchanging ideas, they don't need to be in an art school anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so the only thing I would ask of, of Blake and Michael given the opportunity uh, that social media brings, do you think the curriculum needs to change and the reference points need to change uh, within art schools? Thank you. Uh, sorry, did you identify yourself? Yeah, Andrew Thomas. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and there was a question over here. We'll take this one. Hello. <laughs> yes. Uh, my name is Isabel Miaja. Um, the, you're all brilliant orators. I just wonder, yes or no, from each of you as to pro and yes, because your whole speech is kind of like a waiver. I just want to make sure who's for and who's against. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll take a fourth question because that one will be quickly answered. Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, Can I? Oh, sorry. Um, we My will, turn? Yes. Where is it? I'm not seeing Here. where it's coming from. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, Gabrielle Hawawini. Um, I teach uh, management. And I have a question for Heman. Is, is, is basically an argument against school or against the form of schools? Basically, mm -hmm. you did agree that getting people together, learning, that's what schools do. It's the, the time, the degree, basically, that is the issue, right? So it's, not, uh, it's about rethinking what art school or education should be as opposed to saying uh, they're good or they're bad. Mm -hmm. I presume, and if you could clarify that point. So I'm trying to say that you're, you're probably agreeing with the other group somehow. <laughs> you say you're saying there's no difference. Okay, so we'll start with the easiest question, which, was, which came from the lady over there. She said, would each panelist say what their position is? So... <laughs> yeah. I, got, I got paid a lot of money <laughs> my other team. Um, I think what I was trying to think about when I was working on this presentation was essentially how we could um, start to place our faith in different systems rather than in one sort of Similar. way. Similar. This is why she's confused. <laughs> art schools are bad at making good artists. On this side, art schools are bad. They like the art schools in a different, in a different way. <laughs> simple, great. simple way. Simple. Good? Cool. Okay, excellent. Thank Next. you very much. Uh, Next question. <laughs> knowledge base. Yes, I'd like to. Who would like to take knowledge base? I would like to say, oh, okay. I would love to speak after Michael. 
Michael first. Wait, wait, I'm not sure if I'm answering the right question. Is this, is the question from here? It was the first oh, question. The first question. Yes. Yes. I'd like to put something else into this part. This, this idea that everything happens to do with just a bunch of people talking to each other. That's not art school either. You have to actually do something to talk about. But I'm, I want to, I want to uh, say something that I think is very critical about uh, art education. When kids are really little, they draw pictures, don't they? They spend their whole time drawing pictures. And the minute they get to school, they're discouraged from drawing pictures and they start to learn words. And from that minute on, all of education is taught in the same way. All of academic education proceeds along certain criteria that are designed for the word. And this doesn't matter whether it's psychology or physics or philosophy. This is how things in general are taught. Now, what happens in art school is absolutely different. You don't learn the subject that way. You learn the subject not as the subject. You learn it through your own experience of the subject. That makes it absolutely different than all other forms of education. And that's the reason why I think it's so important. And it's also why I think what it gives is a person a kind of self-knowledge through the subject. And that's the thing that for all the thousands of people who go to art school who don't become good artists, don't become successful artists, don't stay in the art world and become dealers, don't <laughs> go into the world and do a decent, jo do a decent job's work every day. These are the people, these people benefit fantastically from the flexibility of mind and the confidence and self-knowledge that gives them a, a, a way of dealing with the world, which is, I, in my view, educationally, probably the best in the world. I, Graham? It's hard to follow Michael's always, but I think, I think to answer the, spe the specificity of the question, which is really, it, as I understand it, the, the hegemony of the art world. I mean, one of the, th the big things that I had with Blake's listing those 10 artists, which one of those, which one of those artists went to school after 1990? So the, the, the manner in which the, the, the institution of the, of the arts education, the art school, is, is increasingly less relevant based on the, the accessibility of information, Indonesian artists going online and looking at Damien Hirst, look at the Chinese artists in, in the 1990s that, are, that talk about their, their relationship with kefir paintings without ever having seen a kefir painting. The, the, the ways in which that exists is so radically different, and I don't agree that you have to go to an art school to see what other bad art is. You know, go, go, to, the, go to the Vatican Museum, you see a lot of shit there. <laughs> the, the point is, is that there's not just one place that artists are getting together. As Heyman had said, the idea is not just to have the one three years, and it's it, do artists do art schools make that? And that's the question. In in an increasingly digital world, the the ways in which art is taught, the the very traditionalism that you uphold by your list of artists is completely over. And so the ways in which we have to address that is, and I'm, I, but that's what I want to talk about here, and that's what I was hoping my my, my talk would get to, is that the ways in which the, the infrastructure of the art school is there's a huge disconnect with, with the way that the market, the way that the art world, the way that the critical world is working today. There's a huge disconnect. And so the, the, the way in which art is taught, the way in which art is discussed on that level radically needs to change. And I think that that's mm -hmm. what your question is addressing. But I think that if you've got, I mean, what is an art school? As, as Michael said, there's a million different kinds of art schools. If you have a bunch of people getting together, looking at art and talking about art, you've got an art school. Um, it may not have grant degrees, but basically if you've got rigorous discussion with some people saying, boy, you really don't know what you're talking about, ideally older people with experience, then you've got an art school. I don't think, I mean, I'm not impressed with the incredibly high level of discourse I see on Twitter, 
Um, so I'm not sure that social media are going to replace art schools anytime soon. I think, I mean, having a place where people can get together, uh, look at each other's art, look at the great art of the past, and have some people who seem to know a little bit more tell them what's good and bad, that, I mean, whether you want to call it an art school or a community doesn't matter to me. The point is that you have some structure in which people can be serious about art, and that's, that's what art school provides, I think. Um, I can't so imagine... It's not the only place that provides that at all. But I'd call any place that does provide that an art school, whether it's officially called that or not. I call it a bar, but okay. <laughs> Michael, um, I, I would like to I would like to shock uh, Graham by agree with him about something. <laughs> uh, uh, there there is something that I mean uh, has he chose 1990 as a as a cutoff date uh, when he was describing about um, the people who had left art school. Uh, uh, Damon Hirst graduated in '88. And um, so it, it, I don't know what happened in the rest of the world, but I do know what happened in Britain. And that uh, there's n- the the art school that uh, that I'm talking about, I knew from the 60s through the 80s to the early 90s. Um, since then, it's been doubled, tripled, quadrupled in size. There, all of my teaching was based on the fact that I could spend time one-on-one for hours with whoever I thought was interesting to talk to, and we talked about everything. And now, how can you do that with you when you have hundreds and hundreds of students? How can anybody? It's humanly impossible. Now, for, you can have all the talk amongst people you want, but if people are not able, if, 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 there's not, if the group is not small enough to have a genuine discourse in which every voice can be heard, in which there can be, a, you, there, is a, there is a thing of the, the, the relationship between one, uh, between an artist, him I was talking about, about one, one, person, uh, one person and, uh, and a student. That, I mean, that's not the only thing that happens, not the only thing, but it certainly is very important. And I know that that's, that's, when I'm talking about art education, that is what I'm talking about, but I also think in international circumstances today, this is very, very difficult. And Graham is right, but there has, to, strangely, there's always been a disconnect between the art school and the art world, and very often the art schools hate the outside art world. Many of the people in the art schools don't like it, and so, the, so the, uh, or have limited experience of it, and they, th- so this can make it, make but it very But isn't that difficult. a lovely disconnect? I mean, you could argue that that's a beautiful it, disconnect, well, and that's what lets art school be good for, for well, us. Well, the, the, th- the thing is, I just like to say that if... The, that, uh, uh, if only I could be that disconnected the, from the art world. Gra- Gra- Graham only, Graham only exists in the, in the world of that top 10% he's talking about. When he's, everybody else, the 90% don't really exist, because he's only, ta- he's only interested in that top... Ten percent, and the fact is that to have to have an art world, to have an art world, you have to have the other ninety percent. You can't eliminate the another ninety percent and just it'll be so much breaking up. We just have the ten percent. You can't do that. You have to have, as I said, the pyramid. You have to have the base of people. And I know hundreds of artists who struggle to survive, who struggle to make their work, who won't give up, who do another job in order to do be in the studio when they want to be, and who go on regardless of how limited the rewards are in their lives and their career, because they love doing it, they love art, that's what they want to do. And frankly, they know that some people will be giant successes and a lot of people won't, but that doesn't put them off. And they learn to love art, possibly in art school. Very probably, that, they, that's yes, where they learn. It's only because of that that they would keep. 
Oh, come on. Another <laughs> <laughs> next story. Well, the other two, quite to an extent, um, we also had three rethinking what an art school is about. Mm. That was the last question. And the previous one was about societal changes, which I think to an extent social media, whether social media mean that nowadays and the internet, it's actually art schools are no longer and that's necessary. That's another whole debate. Think and I will be, yeah. I will, I'm happy to be with Blake on the side that social media is like the downfall of the English language, but we can, mm. that's another, that's another <laughs> and, debate. And intelligence too, let's, yeah. let's add that to it. <laughs> LOL, smiley face. <laughs> so, I, I, yes, I, I, I'm just going to add another little yes. thing. But um, uh, I was a, a, a trustee of the Tate when Tate Modern was being built in the 90s, and it was the beginning of the, of the, the widespread Internet use and, inter, and social media, and we were very, very nervous. We are building this gigantic place, and nobody's ever going to want to go there because they're going to stay home and look at it on the Internet. And when the, internet, and when the building was finished, the opposite happened. Mm-hmm. Everybody right. looked at the stuff on the Internet and came in to see the real thing, and art school is the real thing. If you, if it, it, that's the equivalent of doing the real thing. The, so it will never be replaced by the social media. I, I think I'm getting a bit too much agreement going on on my panel here. <laughs> um, so we have a question here. I want to ask you if you, if say, if you look at the Saudi art movement, you know they've got the Edge of Arabia happening and everything, and it's all digital and new media and everything, but they don't really have art schools in that country. Mm. Do you think that if you belittle, like you guys are saying, oh, art schools, not that important, whatever, you know, we can all sit together and talk about art, that's what they are doing. Do you think the movement is then can be sustained if you don't have formulistic training, the basic, like the ABC of how to make art? You can then go on to discuss things and have discourse, but if you don't have the art school to teach you how to make the art, can the movement be sustained? Because if you don't have a... Creative movement in a society, doesn't that, isn't that a loss for society? Mm-hmm. Okay, so thank you very much, the Saudi out movement. Uh, and any other questions up here? Hi, uh, my name is Bernice Frank. Uh, this question is really geared towards Heman and Graham, if they could answer this. If uh, you had a niece or nephew in uh, age 16, 17, and they've expressed an interest in following an art, arts artistic path, what would you, what would you advise them? Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> excellent. Question, and question. one more question. A good question, yeah. One more question down here. We have down here. Oh, here's, here's the microphone. Hello. The Sorry. So the microphone, yeah. I've got you now. Can yes, I raise you. a question to person will ask the first question or you must be only asking the panel? (laughs) (laughs) The question must address to the panel or it can be addressed to the people who make the first question? But it it must be a question. It must be a question, question, of course. But it must be to the panel? Why don't you just ask it? Just ask it, yes. And then figure it out. Because there's many young people here. I just don't want them to get the wrong idea in case if the panel did not give them the right answer. (laughs) Uh, The first question was, with the new method of teaching or something with social media, so I'm asking if a young man saves enough money, he has a choice, to go to an e-learning school, that have Facebook, internet, social media, would, should he go to that school, to the guy who asked the first question, or would he go to Royal Academy, who pay you a stipend for your postgraduate degree, or would you go to the Yale University uh, School of Fine Arts that would give you, that would need blinds, that you don't have to pay the 35,000 US dollar for it. I would like to address the question of the first person. Which school would he pick to go? Thank you. 
Right. Well, I think we better have a response from the first person. We'll deal with that one immediately. Can we get the mic across to... I don't think he was asking about... Not my question. First of all, I know nothing about art. I'm an investment banker. (laughs) Right. You need to go to art school, clearly. (laughs) But as a comparison, I mean, I don't like hiring MBAs anymore. I would rather hire people in stats or engineering or people who've built things or very good at breaking apart data. How about so artists? I think would you hire artists? Yeah, if they could have programming in R. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really have a clear answer to that, but I think it's, I'm seeing it break it down in my field, and I wouldn't be surprised that starts to occur or not, particularly as people move towards more digital mixed media where there is some sort of, I guess the technique component really is technical. Thank you. Okay, I hope that answers your question. Um, right, so we'll go back to the first question, which was about the Saudi art movement, where they are, there's a movement, Edge of Arabia, but there, is, there are actually no schools. And is it sustainable without schools? I don't know who would like um, to. I'd be happy to. I mean, a similar situation really occurred um, about five years ago in Cuba when they have no sort of art school structure. And there's an artist called Tanya Bouguera who basically opened the school in like her living room. So I think um, situations like that helps a lot with you know, sp- um, sites with no main infrastructure to sustain that situation. And um, I think it's been proven over and over again that um, artists need a lot of time in order to somehow like, expand on what they've learned before as well. So it's really a very long process. That's, and um, what I'm trying to say today is that we should, shouldn't underestimate it, you know. I, I, do, I would like to address one thing from that question, which is you referred to the, the ABCs of art. And if you mean by that a set of technical skills, I'm not interested in them, and I don't think that's a useful uh, discussion for art to have. There's an infinite number of possible skills that could be used to make art. And all you get when you talk about ABCs in that sense is usually retrograde art. Um, I am interested in a set of ABCs in a kind of linguistic sense, that is, that you have to look at art, you've got to talk about art, that you've got to learn what it is to make art in our culture. And that's what I think matters. But in terms of learning to draw, learning a specific set of skills, those will be useful in particular contexts. But I don't think there's any chance that any country in the world will become a, uh, a good, will get a good visual culture by teaching, teaching a specific set of, of manual or technical skills. That's that's what I meant when I said that art school was different than academic study. Academic study is based on ABC. You learn A to learn B. In order to go to advanced study, you have to start with basic study. The the thing about uh, about art is there is no agreed basic study. There isn't something. Something that's basic for one person is irrelevant for another person, and something that's crucial for one person is irrelevant for another. So that's why I said it's a different format of learning, and what you're describing is as though it was learning French, and it isn't. Yes. Could you you get the mic? Because we're being recorded, and we won't... I think maybe ABC wasn't the right term to use. What I mean is to learn the fundamentals of making art. It's like when you go to art school, there are certain fundamentals you learn, 
about painting and figure drawing. And, and then you build on that, whether you go into become a ceramic artist or you express yourself as a jewelry designer or anything, but you still learn certain skill, basic skills. That's, so that's my, exactly point, my point mm-hmm. is that if you don't have that a kind of education, it doesn't have to be in an art school. Maybe it starts at secondary school level. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But if you don't teach that, does then the art movement, because I think art movement is quite important for every culture. You should have a, a creative art movement in every culture because it leads to a it leads to a better society. Yeah, but at the end of the day, that, that's that's a superimposition of, of one idea. It's not culture. necessary to have official culture. It's important culture, to yes. have culture. It's important to have. No, no, I'm saying have... that. We're, say, we're saying that we, the, we all kind of agree that talent is, is not. You don't think that it's necessary to have the. No, we don't. You don't. You don't have to be able to draw the nude form to make a good work of art. Yeah. No. Do you think that moving forward? Can they sustain it by just using the mediums they are using right now? Sure. I think the edge right. of Arabia, there's, there's, there are interesting works there. No, they are, they are. But my question is, will it move forward and will, will it sustain? That's my question. Yes, I think yeah, we need think to move to the yeah. next question. That was for us, yeah. wasn't it? Um, no, yeah. we, excuse me. We do well, have one yeah. other, which is quite easy, which is, would you advise your niece oh, or nephew yeah. to become an artist? And perhaps each person could... Or, or what would you recommend? Yeah, if they right. wanted to become an yeah, artist, sure. what would they do? Um, I would, but I would also really advise him or her to visit the school. And something I think that's very important for an art school for me is 24-hour access to a studio. I think a lot of art schools don't have that today. And if you go to a school and you see that they don't have this criteria, just just forget about it. I, I come from a very different background. And so there's members of my family who've gone to very traditional forms of education, and there's members of my family who've bummed around Europe experimenting with psychedelic drugs for four years. So essentially, I think it, it comes back to what I said about you bring what you... You bring as much to education as it brings to you. So it so much depends on the child. So there are definitely... I have nieces and nephews that I would say, that when their personalities develop, if it makes sense, if they, if they have the kind of... Um, drive to to put a hundred percent more into the university than they're get than they're necessarily is already there. Then great. If there's someone who just I have friends who I have who don't exist in an economic world, who don't exist in in the world of, of organized religion, who don't exist in the world of organized education, and it doesn't work for them. So it's so much dependent upon the person, and it's so much dependent upon the personality. So it depends on the child, Michael. Well, in well, in every uh, in every uh, every uh, student art student in Britain didn't pay any fees for tuition until about the end of the nineties. It's only now that these vast debts are being run up, and suddenly people are having to pay these enormous amounts of money, and they leave art school. It's one thing if you're going to go become a a a stockbroker. Uh, to run up a very big debt because you can pay that off pretty easily eventually at least um, whereas to be an artist you really are pretty uncertain about what the prospects are of ever being able to pay it off and I think a certain degree of caution would be I'd advise there uh, but I, but if, if somebody wants to be an artist they should go to art school and Blake? <laughs> I think they should go to art school, but not at 16, not at 18, not at 22. I think I'd probably say that you have to get another degree first and then get a second BA, in fact. I believe in education. I wish I was still in school. This is one of the great <laughs> sorrows of my life that I'm not in school anymore. So I think that it's too soon to go right away that you need to have go four to, or five yeah, degrees. Go to art school. Go to art school. Yeah. 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 So we have a question here. Please wait for the mic and identify yourself. But you know, there's an art school in Singapore that sends students to art school at 12. At 12. Okay, uh, I'm Frederick Balvern, and I have a question about compulsory art education. 
Uh, could it not be argued that, in fact, there are too few art schools, there are too few people who are proficient in artish, as Blake called it, and if we had a better educated, more um, artistically sensitive population, that would help support more artists, it would nurture a stronger economy of, of art works for you, Graham. And if, if we had more art schools, then we'd need more teachers. And all those students, if they can't cut it as artists, they can also be professors. And it just becomes a virtuous circle. So it's, it's a wonderful and vision. The, and uh, how am I doing on question time? Can I take another two? So I take another one here. Hi, I'm Philip Hemnall. I'm a collector and an artist too. Um, my fundamental problem about art schools is that this disconnect. You know, we talk about um, you know, um, art students um, coming out as artists and actually earning money, but art schools don't help them along that way. So I think maybe not for the BA level, but for the master's level, all the, um, the students um, should be encouraged to sell their work. And I think art schools should do that. They should have a curatorial show at the end of their MFA where the um, pieces of work are for sale. And that should be a fundamental part of their grade. So the art school is not... Not nobody knows. preparing I mean, I, enough for the market. Is yeah, that your, I think okay. um, students should be encouraged to actually sell their works. Yes. I mean, um, LaSalle does that. You know, um, the MFA program here, I bought pieces from them as well. One more question. Um, there's one at the back with a red shirt. Sorry, there's more questions than I can. Hi. Hello, Stephen Naylor here. Um, I'm just wondering if we didn't have art schools to actually filter the unicorns and the junks mm -hmm. in the sunset and all of those sorts of mm -hmm. things... Um, it seems that the art school provides us with an honest brokerage between a teacher and a student. It's the only time an artist ever gets an honest answer. And I think that if we didn't have an art school, where else would those people be able to ask that question of, is this relevant, is this working... They're the sorts of questions that most artists come with those big eyes Sorry. and open up. What, what is your question? The or question is, where else would it happen? Where else would it go? Right, thank you. Hi. <laughs> okay. Now we, now we have to stop the questions and get some answers before we move on. Hello, could I ask one last question, please? Uh, we will have more questions afterwards, so I'll, I'm taking three by three, so I will deal with these, we'll answer these ones now. So the first one, too few art schools, from Frederick Balfour down here. Um, who wants to take that one? Um, I think... Um, I think art schools, though they do a lot of good by pretending to train artists and people turn out not to be artists and do all sorts of things, I don't know if I want art schools to be the place where everyone goes to learn about art. I like museums rather a lot. And I like the fact that museums don't teach in anything like a systematic way, that they teach, good ones teach, just by letting people look. And I want that kind of teaching to go on in the society. I wish everyone had to go to museums. I'm not sure I want everyone to go to an art school, per se. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the trouble with, the trouble with art schools that are too big, as as, as I said, is that uh, there uh, there is not enough teaching can can take place. That's the problem about there being too many art students. It just makes it very very difficult. My heart goes out to people who teach in art schools these days because I think it's a really challenging thing because they have so many uh, they have to deal with such very large numbers of students. But so I th in general, I think it's a good thing. But in terms of the specific, and particularly of the usefulness to those people for whom it is a very special experience for, that will be very important in the future, they get. They, uh, to be honest, they're getting shortchanged. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's. A, I think it's. It's. A, it's. A, it's a lovely question, but I think it also gets back to the idea of what is being taught at art schools and and the, and the infrastructure of the art world. And it comes back to the the disconnect between those two. And so, in theory. 
I think the the idea, your idea of an art school, the the place where ideas are exchanged in a very pure way, in the same way that, as your question about where else does that happen? Well, a good dealer, a good critic, a good mother, I mean, a good a good friend is going to say, "This is shit. Move on. This is really good. Work on that." That, that dialogue, the, the idea that, and that's what sort of we, we keep coming back to this: the idea that the art school is the only place where artists get to learn and talk about this and talk. That it, it, they're artists, and this is what they do. They spend time wrestling in the dark with this, or are at a bar with a bunch of their friends and are talking about this. They're artists. They live their lives, and the art school we. Can't cannot put too much emphasis on the art school for making any of this or the responsibility there. It's a place to go and either learn how to very proficiently paint unicorns or to do the kind of challenging and thought-provoking work that they will then start on the path to make. But it's something that it's one stage in a process, and we cannot put too much emphasis on that. Otherwise, it completely falls apart. And the idea of what if there were more? What if there were less? You know, it's the same kind of thing. At the end of the day, it's not about the amount. It's not about the volume of schools. It's about the volume of students and the quality of the education. Wait a minute, did he just say that it's one stage in a process? So you're sort of saying art schools might be kind of useful for making good I art, is that? I never said they weren't. I just said they weren't. Uh, good he at never said they weren't. Okay, that they weren't well, wait good a minute. At wait good a minute. <laughs> I think he's on my side. <laughs> he's going to vote. Watch, he's going to vote yeah, for I'm, us. I'm, Do we get the I'm, vote? Yes, we have I'm cards? getting vote an awful red. lot of agreement coming on, on this panel. <laughs> I would like to, to address the question of art schools teaching students how to sell art, and I think it couldn't be a worse idea. Um, I come from Canada, and I like to say the great thing about Canada is that um, it's impossible to sell art, and if you can't sell art, you can't sell out. And I really mean that quite seriously. I think there are a huge number of us critics who really feel that the growth of the art market has caused more harm than good by far in the overall uh, world of visual culture than anything else. I think that the notion that what students need to be taught is how better to sell their art is, is just a terrible mistake. And, and I, I would think... argue that the Canadian art scene is so completely hermetic that the, in, in, order to, in order for an artist to take, their, to take their practice outside, like Jeff Wall, who you mentioned, they had to be shown outside of Canada. It's the same thing with France. It's the same thing with Belgium. And it's, it's a wider conversation about the ways in which the art schools and the arts community come together. But that's not because of the quality of the art being yeah. the problem. I'm not saying it's about the quality of the art, but there is a reason that, you know, if, if we talk about this concept of genius, which is also something that keeps coming up, it's a very 19th century concept, and it's something that is completely failed in, in the context that we're talking about. Because what is genius? How do you manufacture it? And how do you then sustain that? Because if there are geniuses working penilessly in Canada, why is that the case when, in fact, they should be recognized? No. Well, they're not working penilessly. What they're is getting genius a nice when it's little not recognized? From the state, and it works really well. Um, uh, healthcare. Yes, uh, we can yes, do another I, debate about Canada. Who wants to come to more Canada debates about Canada? Canada is the 51st Canada, yeah. state of America. Uh-oh. <laughs> 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 I'm actually from Quebec, which is the 52nd state, but that's a whole other question. Uh, I, yes, I just like to say something about this, this question, which was that up until uh, the late 80s, about 1990, so, which seems to be a pivotal moment, um, uh, I knew, and everybody I know, all the artists I knew, everybody who, who constituted the tiny art world in those days, uh, knew that there were some really wonderful, imp- incredibly important artists who made lots of money, and there were other incredibly 
important artists who made very, very much less. And there were some terrible artists who made a fortune, and there were some terrible artists who made very little as well. Money had nothing to do with the evaluation of the way which one thought about artists. It's only today that the artists are judged on the basis of how much money their work sells for. This is, has no relevance whatsoever in, terms of the, in the long term. We're going through a phase. It's a funny phase. It'll get over sometime. <laughs> Right. Now, we haven't quite finished because we're going to have a summing up from our panel and there may be an opportunity to pose a question or two more, but for the moment we are now going to vote again. You voted on the way in. You're now going to vote again. Boxes are going to come round. I would like to remind you how to vote. You all should have this little bulletin. You tear it in half. Yes. <laughs> you don't listen to any of the panelists. You listen to me. Just remember, that. remember how uncomfortable yes. my sofa is, please, when you cast that vote. If you are for the motion, if you still agree, art schools are bad at making good artists, which was the Woo-hoo! motion. Shush. You, you put the red sticker in the box. If you are against the motion, if you have been swayed, you were about 50-50 before you put the white in the box. If you are still undecided, and a quarter of you were undecided on the way in, please be quiet, panel. You put the whole, you don't tear it in half, you put the whole sticker in the box. While you are voting, I want you also to concentrate, please, on our closing arguments. Each panelist has got three minutes to pose their, to make their closing arguments. We're going to go in reverse order. So we're going to start with Blake. And settle down, please, and listen. (laughs) I'm not sure that I have another three minutes of things to say. Um, uh, That's it. That's all I've got to say in the whole world, and I'm now going to quit my job as an art critic, and I'm done. No, I do think there is one thing that I didn't get a chance to talk about that that is worth saying in the sum up, and we talked about this a little bit, which is that it's a mistake to think that art schools are only um, good for the artists, good at making good artists. It also makes good audiences, and Michael, I think, talked about this a little bit, that all the people who come out of art schools and turn out not to be artists, as I said before, I think they should all go in wanting to be artists because that's what it takes to be a good student in an art school. You've got to pretend. The teachers have to pretend that everyone there wants to be and will be a great artist when they come out, and the students certainly have to pretend that they're going to be the greatest artist in the world when they come out, because that's the only way art school can can work properly. But one of the things that happen is all the people who come out who, for one reason or another, not necessarily because they're not talented, but because they don't have ambition, there are a million reasons why you might come out and not turn out to be even a good artist, but you do come out and maybe become a good curator or a good investment banker who likes to look at art. What matters is that art schools are an excellent place for visual culture to be formed, for the visual culture of the entire, um, of the entire society to be enriched. Um, and I think that's what, what really matters. And as I said, I don't care if we call them art schools or not. Um, I could, might say, well, art schools are terrible places, but wouldn't it be nice if we had places where lots of people could come together and talk about art, and a lot of them would make art, and it would be senior people who would tell them whether it was good or not. Let's not have art schools at all. Let's just have these other places where all of this goes on. Well, it seems that art schools are the places where that goes on, and they're sheltered. They're a place where people can pull out of the demands of the market 
undermines of the job market. There's all sorts of things, and government actually funds them to a certain extent. So art schools are a wonderful place where people can withdraw from the other problems in life and ideally think hard and long about art and talk hard and long about art and be in the presence of people who've been doing this for a long time and can maybe help people become better artists. And that seems to me an awfully good thing. Thank you, Blake. Graham. Yeah, I have a whole bunch of notes here, but I'll, I'll limit myself. I Three promise. minutes. Okay. Okay. I, I think essentially I at the end of the day, <laughs> it, it, again, uh, my argument always comes back down to numbers, and and I think a lot of the side of of, of the of the of what you're talking about is the idealization of the of the art school. One hundred percent. There's there's great artists that come out that benefit from this kind of dialogue, but the amount of the, the numbers and the, the lack of preparedness for the world of of becoming what a good artist will take that we can't ignore the vast amount of those artists who don't become good artists. So based serially, serially on the numbers, it's so easy to list 10 amazing artists, but for every one of those 10 artists, there are hundreds of thousands of artists who never made it. And I'm not talking about money, but the artists who gave up, who don't, who don't like Michael will say, just toil alone and, and, and have second jobs and, and do this. So what happens? How can we change in a positive way the, looking at these arts educational programs, the structure there, to, to address this? And I think this whole idea of pretending, ta- pre- it doesn't do the artist any good and it doesn't do the teacher any good to pretend to someone who's not doing interesting work, going to make interesting work. Yes, it's going to teach them how to look at work, 100%. But so can reading one of your books. So can going to one of Martin's shows. So can, so can doing... You know, there, there's so many other ways, hopefully. So if we're going to be idealistic and utopian, let's talk about funding more museums, about arts education, not just in art school, but for everyone, so that people are not complete and utter culturally you know, dead inside. There's so much wider than just what our topic at hand is, is based on the numbers, art schools are not doing what we are here, all of us agreeing... Mm. We want art schools to do, and we want, by the numbers, by whatever, genius, not genius, transmitting culture is not only done at art school. So if we're going to look at that, then we're going to look at a much wider conversation. Thank you. Michael. Uh, I think I've butted in often enough in the, in the questions to have, said, to have said more than enough. There was one thing that I was going to say. It had something to do with something that Graham said earlier, and uh, it was uh, to do with something that Damon Hirst said to me, uh, which was that uh, when he uh, arrived at Goldsmiths, uh, it took about a year or two, but his whole idea of art changed while he was there. He got a completely different picture of what it was to be an artist. And when he curated Freeze, he was a second-year undergraduate student, and in the in Freeze, he did the first dot painting as a second-year undergraduate student, and his degree show were the first four medicine cabinets. Uh, it seems to me that Goldsmith did a pretty good job for him, and I think that 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 would not have happened. He could not have done that if he hadn't been at an art school. I, he 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 would. Anything Damien did in life, Damien would have been a success. Damien is a very extraordinary person. He has extraordinary personality, extraordinary intelligence and energy. Uh, he's a very, a very special person. But in terms of what actually happened, that happened because he was at art school. Thank you. And finally, yeah. I think just in closing, to follow up to uh, Michael's points, we also need to recognize that he was part of a group that sort of became a thing. 
in itself. Exactly. Well, I think that that was also what my argument was that they continued this dialogue right outside of it as well, and that you know there was there's this, all, all this possibility of having that year or that sort of batch of students not making it, and you see what I mean. I think the structure is there. It's just you know like what Graham has also pointed out is what you bring into it that's important. I mean, I think fundamentally we need to really, you know, in relation to sort of the expanded world that we're living in now with, you know, all this online stuff and also with um, all the sort of different kinds of the idea of the contemporary um, um, and to really sort of challenge that by rethinking what, uh, how, how we can be taught and how we can teach ourselves. Yes, I just want to uh, yeah. uh, say something about what you said, which, and I, I think that if art schools become too big and it's too difficult for these small groups of people for, on the scale of a small group or, or one-to-one uh, to speak, then people will create something other than art school in which that can happen. If, that fun- if art schools cease to f- produce that function, then it, is, it will naturally happen because that's what artists do, isn't it? Yeah. They invent what they need. Right. I have the result of your votes here. <sighs> so I just remind you, don't know 25%. This was on the way in. Don't know 25%. For the motion, 37%. Against the motion, 38%. Evenly split. It's like the Oscars. 6% don't know. So... What it's been extremely educational anyway. <laughs> there has been a collapse of the four vote. Twenty five percent. The against vote, sixty-nine percent. So a a big vote of the vote to our winners, but also, sorry, a, I'd also like um, a very big round of applause for our. Thank you for listening. You can download more Intelligent Square podcasts free on iTunes and SoundCloud. If you'd like to find out more about our events, sign up to our newsletter at intelligencesquared.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. What are you doing right now? Perhaps you're in the supermarket. Maybe you're on a run or on the commute. But wherever you are in the world, and whatever you're doing, right now you're also listening to my voice. This is the power of podcasts. The ability to communicate with your audience in an intimate and intentional way through audio. I'm B. Duncan, Senior Partnerships Producer at Intelligence Squared. We've been a world-leading forum for talks, debates and events for over two decades. And we also use our cutting-edge curation, creativity and editorial expertise to elevate your brand to new audiences with podcasting. Intrigued? To find out what we can do for your organisation, book into a free consultation with me today. Find out more by going to www.intelligencesquared.com forward slash partnerships.